Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have a jam-packed Q&A. We go into actually a really diverse amount of questions. Um, some on being a father, some on business, some on content creation. We actually had a question for Travis today, which was really cool to answer and just kind of honestly just to reflect on how we've done things and how we've grown with the content side of things. Um, we dove into contest prep. We dove into training, nutrition. This is a really well-rounded Q&A and I was excited about all this. So um, before we jump into that, I do have a couple quick shout outs to do. The first one being shout out to our sponsor, Top Notch Nutrition. Uh, if you want to save 10 to 15% on anything at the store, head over to topnotchnutrition.com slash boom boom and make sure that you use the coupon code for boom boom um, the coupon code boom boom for extra savings and discounts when you get to that checkout page um, right now i am taking vitamin d i am taking relief i'm taking the greens and the hydrate and then i'm also supplementing with the whey basically every single day so that's a brand new one that just came out the clean protein make sure you guys check that out um, really high quality uh, ingredients, which is one of the reasons why I love their products so much, but it's also well sourced and it doesn't taste like shit. That's really important with protein. And sometimes it's really hard to find good quality protein that has good quality ingredients that doesn't taste horrible. So top notch, not kept that on lock. Um, shout out to those guys. Shout out to them for sponsoring the podcast and supporting everything we do. The second shout out, as always, guys, if you enjoy this show, if you enjoy the information we are providing, please do me a huge favor and help me grow this show. We are on a mission to hit a million downloads, and that is my goal for the beginning of this year is to push forward that, and you are the only person that can help me do that. And the best way to do that is A, leave a five-star rating review if you have not yet, and B, make sure you take a screenshot of this episode, head over to uh, Instagram, post it on your story, and tag myself at cody.boomboom so I can see it. Thank you for listening, and then share it on my story so other people can see that you're watching it as well. All right, guys, without any further ado, let's head over to the Q&A. All right, Q&A. Let's do it. First question is, I, I asked you a question a while back regarding maintaining strength post-surgery. The surgery is actually tomorrow, and I'm getting curious about the effect it will have on my nervous system while recovering. I figure it will be a lot of stress on my body. Other than taking collagen supplements, is there anything else I should consider taking to help my recovery? I know you went through knee surgery, so I'd love to hear about your recovery experience. Uh, who is the person? His name is Jui, J-U-H-I-G-U-P-T-A. Jui Gupta. Jui Gupta. Gupta. Okay. Instagram name? Always really hard. Is it all one word? No. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to say, when people have like a really like a crazy name put together in one username, it's always confuses the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, uh, the <laughs> it depends on one thing more than anything, and that's the injury. And you left that out. So you didn't even mention what was injured or what he's having surgery on, did he? Nope. Okay. So that's <laughs> – first and foremost, I can't give you super specific advice just because – I mean, are you getting shoulder surgery, elbow surgery, neck surgery? Did you hurt your wrist? Did you hurt your foot? Did you hurt your back, like hips? It's like, you know what I mean? It's so yeah. different. If you have a rotator cuff surgery compared to hip surgery, it's like night and day difference. Uh, 
twice as long to recover from the hip surgery. Um, so it really depends. Now, like the effect on the nervous system, I don't even know if there's much literature on this, but I would look at the literature of anybody who has been bedridden. So uh, disease, burn victims, um, even people who become very sedentary, there is a neurological adaptation and a muscular adaptation that happens over a certain amount of time. So I would say the more serious this injury is and the longer you are out of the gym, the more severe the, the nervous system adaptation is going to be. But I think it kind of depends on how, how you treat this too or how you act while you're uh, going through surgery. Because like with me, I think there was far less adaptation. Like obviously there was the muscular adaptation, just atrophy. My leg shrank because I wasn't using it. But while I was on crutches – I mean, I was moving consistently on crutches. Like every hour, I would just get up and move around. I would still do like right leg pistol squats to the couch. I would still do upper body seated exercise like curls and press and stuff like that. So I think one people uh, thing people forget is that if you are injured on your left arm, you can still use your legs. You can still use your right arm. In 35, I want to say it's 35, but it could be 30-something percent. Don't quote me. There's a certain percentage of strength and training that is just nervous system base, right? Neurological. And that actually gets transferred over. So when I hurt my left leg, I did a bunch of right leg stuff. And what research shows is that because it's a nervous system adaptation that creates strength, 30% of that strength transfers to the left side anyway. So when I started having range of motion again, I could use my leg again. I just went and trained and I still had some strength. Now it was way weaker because I lost muscle mass, um, but I still had some coordination. I still had some motor control and I still had some ability to uh, express strength through that leg. So the first and foremost thing is like, use what you got, like, because that's going to lead to some kind of nervous system, uh, positive adaptation or like slowdown of that adaptation. Um, I mean, his main thing was just asking what he should do. Right. Okay. I mean, supplementation or nutrition and stuff like that. Um, biggest thing is obviously sleep. Sleep's going to help recovery a ton, uh, train the opposite side move consistently and just move in general, right? So um, if you can do mobility, do mobility. If you can, um, so even with like, uh, with my knee surgery, I would be in a brace, right? So I can't flex and extend my knee. But what I would do is I would sit on the couch, I'd prop it up and I would do ankle circles because I can't walk, but I need to practice ankle mobility or I'm just freezing my entire leg. I would do hip circles. So I would move my hip and just keep my leg in this brace and it would be tiring as fuck. But I'm still using the ball and socket joint of my hip, still using the ball and socket joint of my ankle. I'm still getting blood flow to the limb. Um, and I think that's very, very important. Now, I had a blood clot too. So <laughs> I, had, I had a bigger issue um, that I had to worry about once I started moving. I had to actually kind of focus on that too. But um, in general, I think the biggest thing is like move the, the joints around it so you can try to bring blood flow to the limb. If the injury is a limb, we, we still don't know what the injury is. Um, try to work the joints above and below in general. Try to bring blood flow to that general area to help speed up oxygen and, and nutrient delivery to that place to help recovery. Um, I, I was big on anti-inflammation, uh, so like anti-inflammatory um, stuff. This is actually something we were kind of talking about in that email going back and forth about your elbow and your shoulder. Yeah. Um, Shout out to our sponsor, Top Notch Nutrition. A uh, quick plug for them. Go to topnotchnutrition.com slash boom boom. But they have a product called Relief that I was taking during the recovery too. And it's like curcumin and some other nutrients and, and adaptogens that just help inflammation in general. For so sure. it's really helpful for like joint pain. Um, I use it in the winter, especially just because my knee gets so cold um, when I'm going on walks and stuff. But um, so fish oil, curcumin, um, using more ginger, using more garlic, uh, blueberries. Uh, like there's... Uh, olive oil, I want to say, is one of the 
the fats that's that's much more anti-inflammatory but basically in general what i'm trying to do is create less inflammation in my body um the 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 more you aid inflammation the more your body can focus on recovering that so nutrition wise like i'm much bigger on food quality and less on like flexible dieting and if it's macros during these these times um move the joints around it try to bring blood flow to the limb and then train everything else train everything in your body else so if you hurt your knee like i did i trained my entire upper body as much as i can uh, from a seated position i'd be sitting in the gym in my garage for like an hour just sitting down doing as many seated exercises as i can um i did ankle circles i did hip circles with my bad leg and my good side i did a lot of single leg work not so much that i was trying to like maximize volume because i didn't want to like like grow my right leg and just keep shrinking my left one, but doing something to promote strength from a neurological standpoint on the right side. So it will transfer over to the left. I think is going to be helpful. Um, and then everything else, man, is just be patient. I think a lot of people don't rush it. Yeah. And they just psych themselves out. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where like when I first had my injury, I think my first response was like, fuck, I I can't train. Uh, I'm going to get fat. Like you, you start going through all these things in your head. Like everything's over. Like this is what I do for a living. And then once I, I like, I remember like we went to the emergency room and I was like laying in the bed and of course they're like, Hey, we'll be right back. And two hours later they finally came in, but Shannon went to like go get food for us or something. So I'm just like laying in the bed, just thinking, right? No cell service in, in the hospital. So I'm just thinking there and, and my mind went from like cha- trying to change my perspective. I really went from like, fuck, I'm screwed. I'm going to lose all my progress. I'm going to have to restart to, I get to restart. I might lose my progress, but this gives me a chance to like restart reestablish new habits, like give myself a new foundation of movement that I ignored for a long time, obviously, because my yeah. knee was hurt. Um, and then get excited about it again. Cause I know when I first started training, I was so fucking excited to lose fat, build muscle, count macros, plan out my, my nutrition and plan out my training and like research more and more and all these things. And after doing it for eight years, you kind of like lose that excitement. Mm-hmm. So it actually like rejuvenated that excitement and I get to train again. I get to diet again. I get to focus on myself again. I got to study more. I got to learn more. Um, so just change your perspective. Like this is just a chance for your body to, to take some downtime and then you get to kind of rejuvenate yourself essentially. So, um, I mean, that's my two cents yeah. on that. Um, that's great advice. Yeah. And if, if, if you're, if you're listening to this, I hope you are cause I answered your question. Um, <laughs> If you want to hit me back and tell me your exact injury, maybe I'll have some different stuff, but I think it's just going to be more applicable to your scenario. Same advice, just just to whatever whatever area yep. that you actually injured. I don't know. I'm going to say this guy's last name, but his name is John Argia. Two questions. Uh, number one, I know that you utilize social media to provide content that can eventually lead to business. Do you have a particular schedule routine that you have for yourself to do this produ- uh, produ- productively without f- – falling into the trap of scrolling for no reason. Um, so I actually know John for a long time. John was a client of mine, owns a gym out in California. So shout out to John. Um, I've still never been able to pronounce his name either. So John, uh, spell it out for me in a text A-R-R- with like A-R-R-E-A-G-A. hyphens. A-R-R-E-A-G-A. I've always said, you know what, actually now that I think about it, I've never actually said it. I've always read it, but I've never had to actually say his name because when I talk to him on the phone, it's just John. Argia, that's got Argia. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> to answer your first question, John, um, yes, there's there's obviously a plan. There's a very methodical plan. Uh, but I think one thing I really focus on is using non-social media uh, sources to create my content because like, like he kind of mentioned towards the end, if I go into social media and I write my post or I go into social media and I look at what I want my next picture to be or I'm looking at others for ideas – 
you get trapped in the scroll fest, right? You just start scrolling, you start looking at other people's stuff, and then you start comparing, and then yeah. your post isn't going to be as good. So I create all of my posts. On, we do Photoshop, Canva. Um, obviously, there's video stuff too. I, I write in Google Docs. Um, I don't write any of my posts in Instagram. I always write in Google Docs and transfer it over. Um, I take screenshots of my profile so I can see my newsfeed. And then when I'm creating, I can pull up my photos and see the pattern of, of what I've been posting so I know what my next post should be versus having to pull up my Instagram to look at it because when I pull it up, you're gone. I'm gone. <laughs> I'm lost in the weeds. Um, we also have a very, very – like I'm a, I'm a – just a journal and a whiteboard guy. So over here on the whiteboard, we have a content calendar that me and Travis both use. And it kind of just lays out. Um, we have like a, a picture of the day kind of post where it's just like more of like a daily post about um, the, my lesson from the day or, or the lesson from training, whatever it may be. Um, this one is supposed to be daily, but it's not always daily, but that's one of the ones that's just a picture and some, some, some kind of advice from the day. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Then we have uh, infographics on there. We have IGTVs on there. We have our podcast list out. I have the blog list out. Um, we typically do a weekly blog. However, the last few weeks we've been slowing down because we've been working on the new site. So all my attention has been finishing the site versus doing the blog, which uh, stay tuned. It should be by the time this airs. Thank you. We're one week away. We're getting really close to blog launching. It's some very, very blog big launching. news or the, yeah, the new blog, the new website, yeah. <laughs> um, launching, uh, everything is completely changed. We have a big, exciting, uh, change and shift in the business. I'm going to start like, kind of like hinting more and more and giving more details soon. Um, but I'm really, really excited for this. I think it's going to be a massive thing. So that's all launching soon. So we've been kind of slowing down on the blog. Um, but yeah, we have like, basically it's just Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I take Saturdays completely off of everything. So that's not even on the calendar, but we have that laid out. So me and Travis can see it and we know, like, oh shit, Tuesday night, Instagram TV video needs to go out. So what is it going to be? When are we going to edit it? Then Travis has an update of like when he can start working on it. I have an update of when I can start creating the caption for it. We also have a week in advance to look at it and say, shit, we got to film. Like today we're filming some of those because we know we need them for next week. Um, so we have those all laid out and then we have the podcast laid out and we know um, what those are going to be. And then I also have pages in my journal. Like I have a journal for content ideas and I have different pages in there where like one is a... Uh, podcast page, one is a blog page, one is an Instagram page, and one is a video page. And what I do on these is basically just write out my ideas. So they're just literally full lists. Um, that way, when I sit down and I have a block to write content, I'm like, okay, what do I need to create? Like this morning, I had a block for content um, at my house I was doing it in the office, and it was for uh, infographics. Mm -hmm. So I pulled out my journal, and I looked for ideas, and I literally created like six to seven infographics to be edited, because I don't edit every little detail of them. Um, I don't know how to work Photoshop to save my life, but um, I just write the content. I kind of create the idea. Um, I almost want to post what like it would look like before it gets edited because it looks so bad. But, um, but I have the idea right now and I just sit there and I create, I write the quotes out, I write everything out. Um, so it's ready to get edited. Now I have them ahead of time. Um, and then for a blog, like I wrote part of a blog today, I'm writing uh, a guide to reverse dieting. So it's kind of like reverse dieting 101. And I had that on my list and it was just the next thing on the list. And I have a bunch checked off and I just opened it, saw that, pulled up a bunch of different tabs of like my resources and the studies I want to use in, in writing this. And then I just start writing. So it's kind of like curating. I'm taking all this information and writing it out. But I think like the big thing there is like I have my list of ideas that come up based on what I see um, in client updates, what clients ask me, what followers ask me, what you guys ask me on the podcast, what I see other people doing on podcast, Instagram, YouTube. Um, and I think it's a good idea that I might have a different way to spin it. Um, because I think a lot of people will see 
Oh, Cody did a reverse diet podcast. I'm not going to do one. Well, you're a different coach who does, does reverse dieting in a different way, who has a different audience and works with different type of clients. Yeah. So why shouldn't you do it? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm the type where I'm like, oh, they did that. I'm going to do the exact same thing in my own way. Yeah. Like, why not? For sure. Um, so I just kind of like, I, I don't even think it's as methodical as people think. It's like these, these handwritten lists and then a very specific content calendar on the whiteboard for me and Travis to see. And then inside my Google calendar, I have these blocks of times where it's like create Instagram content, write a blog, record a podcast. And it's like the different pieces of content. Because a lot of people will just, and I see this with some of my mentor clients, it's like a three-hour block and it just says content. And then they sit down. All right. What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> it's just like blank. And for us, it's like, all right, sit down. What am I doing? And then even in like film, exactly. And then if you click, like even in our Google calendar today, we have film, um, in the gym and it, if you click it in the notes, it says I saw that, yeah. exactly what we're filming. Yeah. Um, so like that way I walk into it cause we've done this in the past. You remember this? It's like, all right, we're doing whiteboard videos today and you set up everything. <laughs> you set up everything. You're like, all right, dude, what are we filming? I'm like, I don't know. Let me think for a sec. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? Which is funny because it still turns out good because yeah. I have a lot of things to say. But but people would laugh because <laughs> we'll get the whiteboard out and I'm just like, all right. We stare at this whiteboard for a you little got bit. Any ideas? <laughs> See if something comes out. Uh, but now it's just kind of ref been refining that. So I think all of those things are really smart. And utilize Google calendars. Use your whiteboard. Use your journal. Use your Google Docs. Um, I write my blogs, my programs, my newsletters. I write Instagram posts, I write everything in Google Docs because it's a way that you don't get notifications on Google Docs. Yeah. So like this morning, I put a my Apple Watch on Do Not Disturb and I click the timer for an hour, put my phone in the desk, listen to my instrumental music, and I just fucking write. Mm -hmm. And it was just once the timer went off, I'm done. But I didn't have notifications going off bugging me or anything like that. Um, so yeah, man, I think that's, I mean, that's how we organize it. We have a weekly calendar for both of us. I have a weekly calendar for me. Travis is, uh, shares some of those calendar events on Google. I have a list of ideas that are kind of ongoing because as I get questions from clients, I just write things down. Um, I even have a journal. This is crazy. I have a journal in my uh, uh, center console. And if I get an idea, I stop I'll pull it out and I'll write in it. Uh, shout out to Active Life RX. It's actually an Active Life RX journal. Um, and uh, I just pull it out and I just write content ideas because I know later on I'm going to have that idea. Or like I'll have my phone near me in the gym. I get ideas all the time in the gym and I'll pull out Evernote and I'll write them in there and then I'll transfer it over to the list. So um, it's just about having these lists and then just fucking knocking down the yeah. list. You know what Executing. I mean? Executing. Yeah. I think a lot of people have great ideas, yeah. but they don't have a structured time block to where this is what they do. And it repeats. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but I just wrote this this morning, the priority list, because I was listening to, uh, I'm, I'm almost finished with it. The, um, seven habits of highly effective people. And they have this like really cool, like quadrant of like urgent, not urgent priority, not a low priority. And it like scales of what you need to do first. Um, and I think I fell victim to, and this is not anything to knock the people who have had me on their podcast or anything, but I fell victim to, if anybody ever asked me to be on the podcast, I say yes. And I put it as a priority and I would like move my schedule to do whatever I could to do for other people. And I realized that you know, our team grows, our clients grow, our followers grow more based on me providing value to our people first. So I had to create a priority list and it says like personal clients come first, then the people in the elite membership, then my own content. And then after that is collaborations. So if I have everything in my ducks in a row this week, then I can do something. Otherwise we schedule weeks in advance. Yeah. Like I'm doing an in staff for uh, Brad's team at Key Nutrition and we schedule that weeks in advance. Cause I looked at my schedule and I was like, 
Let me add in all my podcasts, my content stuff, add everything I need to do for us first. All right. The next availability I have is here. Yeah. And it's like, we'll book it, but it's weeks out. Yeah. Um, so That's I think, good. I think like that last bit is just not being a yes man, which I've felt victim to many times in my life, being able to say no and just prior, like prioritize yourself and what you need to do for your business, your coaching, your members yeah. above all else. And then, and then do else. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I think that's a good way to answer it. Yeah, you already answered his second question. Oh, dope. What was it? How, how are you able to stay productive with your business while being a father? Oh. Exact same answer. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, I think the time blocks have been yeah. a game changer. Um, and, and so I, I will add to that, though. I think one of the biggest things for me was uh, verbally committing to a cutoff time with Shannon. So beforehand, I just I had to-do lists, and it was like, when are you going to be off? Whenever I get my to-do list done, you know, and it's just like ongoing. And the, the problem with being an entrepreneur, to-do to list never ends. Yeah. Because as you're doing things, you think of things, you create more, and, and it just grows. So I think like when we were getting ready to have Blakely, we had to have a conversation. And she was like, I need, I, like, I want you here at night, you know. And it's like, okay, what time do you want, what time do you want me present? And she was like, 5 p.m. Then we can do dinner. Like if you can get off around 5. And I was like, okay. And I just manipulated my schedule to know that 5 p.m. is a cutoff. And for me – it kind of put a fire under my ass to be like, okay, I have until five. That's why I started waking up so early. It's like, I have until five to get all this shit done. And if I don't get it done, it bleeds in the next day. So how do I structure my day to really speed it up? So I would say having like a cutoff time is very, very important. Um, and then when you cut off, actually cut off. Like I still struggle with this at times being fully present, but at least I know that I'm not, I don't need to check emails. I don't need to create Instagram. I don't need to create anything or do anything after 5 PM. If I do anything at all, it's, texting you back. It's sending something. It's, it's clicking post when a post is already made. Cause I usually post at night too, but it's not like deep work. Yeah. Right. So having a cutoff time for your deep work. Um, and then I actually think like committing to, so I was talking about this on my story with like the 90 outcomes is like, I, I committed to the goal, uh, more to myself than anything, but like Shannon knows about it now. Cause I shared with her like 12 date nights in a row. So it's like 12 weeks, day night every week. I got really bad about that once we had the baby and it got busy and we had to find babysitter stuff. It was easier to say, oh, well, let's just do it at home. So I was like, okay, I'm going to commit to that. I already have 12 dates scheduled out. So it's like, I don't have to think about it. It's done. I'm committing to that time. I have three play dates scheduled out with Blakely over the next three months, like one a month. But because those are in my schedule, I have that time where I'm leaving work to be very present with them and do something with them. It, it makes one, the work more purposeful when I'm in it because it's like I have a purpose to get it done. Um, and then two, it's easier to balance because they get your time. Mm -hmm. So when, when you have to come back and do all the work, it's like they understand it. It's just, I don't know. And then that's, I think that's a constant battle for anybody who's a business owner and a father. Like it's, it's tough and I'm not perfect by any means, but um, some of the things that helped me work on that were just, just committing to like booking out dates and things like that ahead of time, cutting, having a cutoff time every single day. Um, even having like, uh, I, I think we shared this when Andreas was here, but he, he introduced me to like these like quote unquote marriage meetings. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, like at least once a month, but ideally every week you sit down and have a conversation and it's like no TV, no phones. Uh, I think we did ours last week, just a glass of wine. And it was just like, I cooked her dinner and everything. And then it was just like, how are you feeling? Yeah. How are you doing? And she was like, like, what are your reflections from the team event? And it was cool to just sit down and just talk. You know, we had like, uh, we get like when we have a few drinks, we'll like have conversations about like space and fucking religion and just crazy things. It's weird. You would think we're like high or something. <laughs> no, we just had a few glasses of wine. Yeah. And uh, but it's just like really cool, deep conversations. And it just makes you really appreciative. But like that present time, like 
that's not forgotten. So it's easier to go back to work and, and put the grind in because they remember that, right? And they know that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's it, man. I think just having a purpose, like we talked a lot about this with Andreas too, like what's your passion? What's your purpose? I think if you can really understand your purpose and your passion, um, I think it becomes very easy Easier. to, uh, to do that because yeah. it's like, I know what the fuck I'm doing. I know what we're trying to grow here. My whole team is like right on the same page as me. Um, and I also have my purpose waiting for me at home every day when I get home, you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think I have an exact answer. I think a lot of people are like, Oh, what's the hack? Like what's a lot lot of different things. It is. And it's just, and it's trial and error. You know what I mean? You never really know. And that's why I was talking to somebody, different things work for different people. Yeah. I was talking to, I was talking to somebody yesterday about, um, life coaching and I was like, I think life coaching is kind of a cheesy term because who has the right to be a life coach? Like, it's kind of weird to me. And there's like certifications, like come to our weekend certification. You can become a life coach. And to me, I'm like, look, that's weird. But there's a lot of people I work with that I coach on a much deeper level than just training and nutrition. And I share with them my struggles, right? But I share with them the systems and the structures and the methods and the practices that help me work through those struggles consistently um, versus calling myself a life coach and assuming I I have like the end all be all or I have the strategy or like life is perfect. Yeah. It's not. And it's just, we're all constantly trying to grow. And I think that's, that's the key. Finding strategies to make it better. Yeah, exactly. Continuously. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. Dope. Next question. Uh, it's from Jilly Bean, three ninety. Jilly Bean is not my as a, love. As always, thank you for all your content and what you do. It's honestly awesome sauce. Awesome sauce. Let's go. Yes, I use that adjective. <laughs> <laughs> with cardio variation is with cardio variation is doing the same stairmaster but mixing it up. What you do on it is that enough variation to keep from adapting so much example one day just steady next day doing intervals going from fastest to slow pace every minute then next time going on and off holding on the machine to get heart rate up or should i or should i still try and mix up to some other form of not adapt as much yeah so i think this this is a really good question because i i've talked about this quite a few times that like when you're doing cardio your body will adapt faster and more easily than it would with strength training. And I think it's pretty obvious, like to avoid adaptation, you have to stimulate progressive overload Mm -hmm. to stimulate progressive overload. You have to do something more. So if you are doing a bench press, you add five pounds. Once you can't add five pounds anymore, you add a rep, right? You increase volume, you do speed work, you do like, you're still doing the bench press, but you can do speed work, you can do hypertrophy, you can do muscular endurance, you can do time sets, you can do slow negatives. There's so many things we can do. Um, with cardio, you're walking on a treadmill, add time, right? But once you're doing an hour of cardio, how much really do you want to add? Yeah. Um, so your body adapts more easily because it's, it's, there's less variety inside of it and it's less challenging and, um, you can only increase by duration or intensity, but we know intensity is going to burn you out. So what you're doing is you're, you are creating enough variation, I would say for a short term fat loss strategy. So if you are going for a cut for 12 or 16 weeks, 
and you have three cardios a day. You have a low intent, basically you have a low intensity, moderate intensity, high intensity. That's basically what you're doing. And you're changing the intervals within that. You're changing the duration and you're changing the intensity. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, that will help you avoid having to add so much cardio, I would say in the long run, because I do find that people changing the stimulus, you could also do that on a weekly basis. So you could do a week of lists, a week of moderate, a week of high intensity. Um, and then you could even do like a week of even higher intensity and then deload back to lists. Um, but the point is, is you're kind of like accumulating intensity as you go and then you drop back down at the, at the end and it's not more effective in week three than week one. Um, and what I mean by that is like week one is low intensity. Week two is moderate. Week three is high. Week three at high intensity isn't more beneficial than the low intensity. You're still just burning calories, but it's different. Um, but it is also more draining on your system. So bringing it back to low intensity gives you that recovery. You're still burning calories and you repeat. So you can do it on a weekly or a, uh, a, you can do a daily or a weekly undulated daily would be every time you do cardio, it's different. Weekly would be every week you do cardio. It's different. Now, I think that's great for a 12 to 16 week fat loss, but I do think if we're talking like, if we're just talking about building your performance, building your aerobic capacity over a year, I would say you need to switch it up more regularly. So for example, that this is actually one of my goals right now is like, I'm looking at this 90 days as like kind of, this sounds very weird, but like creating the modern day athlete. Like I think about like, what would be my ideal health and physique? And it's, it's of a pro athlete. Mm. They're pretty jacked, but they're not like massive or shredded or anything like sustainably jacked in the right places. They're strong. They can move well and they're healthy. Mm. Right. Um, I would say the only caveat to healthy is like, depending on how extreme the sport is, they probably have aches and pains, which I'm going to avoid. But the point with that is, is in order for me to accomplish that and to live longer and to improve all spectrums health, I have to do more cardio and it's more structured aerobic work. Um, because I'm not targeting fat loss. I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm just trying to improve my performance. So for me, it's almost different every single time, but it's different because I'm changing the duration. I'm changing the intensity and I'm changing the modality. So some days I'm on the assault bike. Some days I'm on the rower. Some days I'm on the runner, uh, which is like the curved treadmill. Some days I'm pushing the sled. Some days I'm pulling the sled and some days I'm not doing any of those. And I'm just doing like a sustainable, what's called mixed modal session. So I might do push-ups followed by carry followed by uh, burpees followed by uh, a trx row just like movements at like a sustainably slow pace with no breaks so i do 20 minutes of that circuit non-stop but i finish that circuit this sounds weird but i finish that circuit knowing i could have done 20 more minutes so i'm at a 40 minute sustainable pace i only do 20 minutes and i'm purposely doing that to build my aerobic system without burning out um so it's much more structured and there's a lot of variation and it's i'm doing that three to four times a week and it's cycling and sometimes i do all of them so i might do 400 meter run 400 meter row 400 meter assault bike and it's like a two minute rest between each and it's again finishing everything with a couple reps in the tank so to speak like i'm not burning out that's a ton of variation. And what I'm doing there is I'm stimulating and, and building my aerobic base without having to do more and more and more. Because technically, if I really wanted to build my aerobic base and I was saying just running, I would have to continually run more because the goal would be, okay, I want to be able to run for two hours straight. Like that's a good sign of endurance and aerobic capacity. However, I don't got time to do that. Nobody does, right? Like that's, I mean, some people do. If they yeah. want to run marathons, you kind of have to make time. But I don't want to run for two hours, but if I can build my body's ability to have a two hour pace, now I'm winning, right? So I could do 30 minutes at a two hour pace and I could do that consistently so that I could run two hours straight if I wanted to, um, but I'm not going to. And I even, you can even do the same thing with distance. So last weekend I did trail runs in my neighborhood and I basically would do half a mile 
run, quarter mile walk, half a mile run, quarter mile walk, half a mile run, quarter mile walk until I got accumulated a certain amount of miles. Um, and it's cool in the trails cause I would just like pop up in a random neighborhood and I'm like back into the woods. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. Um, I actually had to walk home from deep cause I was like, I'm fucking lost. Uh, but point being is like, I'm, I stop at a half a mile knowing I could have gone another half mile at that pace, but that's my goal. Yeah. Right. Um, so I'm kind of going off on a tangent now, but I think, uh, I think you are like to answer your question with just like a quick yes or no. I think, yes, you are creating enough stimulus from a fat loss perspective. Um, in the, in the sense, assuming that you have a timeline, right? Like 12 weeks, 16 weeks, 10 weeks, however long your fat loss is. Um, but I think if you're just generally trying to improve performance, I think you're going to have to increase the duration on all those if you want to continue to do that unless you create more variation and you have more of a periodized approach, which I will say like um, OPEX and Joel Jameson. Uh, Joel Jameson runs eight weeks out. I think those are my two favorite sources for learning more about aerobic training um, and conditioning in general. But it is, in my opinion, 10 times more difficult. And maybe it's just because it's just it's not what I was like. I built my base on, um, which I think nobody should build their base on that. Um, in program design, I think strength is more important, but um, it's more difficult than programming strength training or bodybuilding and shit like that for sure. Aerobic. Yeah. Hmm. Good answer. All right. Uh, this is from Jessica T. Darrello. This is a question from me. Tito. Fuck, I well, know this one. Keep going. Todorello. 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 There you go. Jessica Todorello. We are horrible at pronouncing names, dude. Yeah. I thought I was bad, but you're pretty bad. Makes me feel good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Podcast question for me, Travis. Love it. What are the biggest lessons learned from capturing, developing, and sharing content with Cody? Trying to work on improving this, this side of my training business. All right. I got excited when I saw this question. Did you? Yeah. First question on the podcast, dude. I'm glad. What are your biggest lessons from lessons learned from capturing? I'm gonna start with that. Capturing. Hmm. So I what did I would like, say? I would say learning learning from your mistakes is first. Um, my mistakes or your mistakes? Mine. Okay. Mistakes. This is a question for me, from behind the camera. Yeah. I would say when we started out, we were. Uh, do you remember the first vid- videos we did? Oh yeah, I did. Out of uh, actually, that me- that Megan magnesium. Magnuson. Magnuson Athletic Club. Athletic Club. <laughs> oh yeah, like dude. Filming with a mirror behind. Oh us. my god, I had a really bad camera too. <laughs> yeah. It was like a it was a digital camera. It was a little Sony digital camera. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I actually just thing. saw so I was scrolling down looking for an infographic because I was gonna use it to repurpose some content I was kind of extracting from old content and I found some of the videos on my Instagram of us in my garage at the Fife house. Oh yeah, I still have it. Oh god. Oh yeah. I look at it some well. Very, very periodically, yeah. but yeah. Really so bad. I would say like learning from mistakes, uh, composition wise, um, lighting, um, just, yeah, not repeating your mistakes mm-hmm. from capturing wise. Um, cause you know, every single time, every single video, you find something you did wrong, you know, something you can do differently, different angle, different, this, different, that just not repeating. I think to add to that too, like from my perspective, watching you is like learning from your mistakes and, and going out of your way. I actually read this thing from Brett Bartholomew that said basically like it was the different classifications of coaches and like some people get comfortable and they don't try to expand their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Some people 
only learn from their group circle. So like, for example, for you, that would be like, you learn from me and pal and that's it. Yeah. And then like some people, and this is like conscious coaches, they learn from their circle themselves, their mistakes and as many other people as they can. So we're expanding into different industries. Mm-hmm. And one thing I will say that like I appreciate about your work is that, and I, I, I try, I feel like I do this in my industry too, but in your, your line of work, you research so many different things to make what we do better. Mm-hmm. And that's not just fitness. Like you're looking at so many different type of industries, media in Photoshop and uh, infographics and ebook creation and uh, even like the text and the copy and the font and the website development and then the videos and the audio and like photography and mm-hmm. this person does this or this person does this or this lens can do this. And it's like sometimes it goes way over my head, but I just appreciate the fact that you're expanding out of so many like in so many ways to bring more to what we do. You know, does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I feel like it's one of and if not the only way to grow. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Like you're not just going to grow from watching yourself. Yeah. You know? So for Jessica, I would say like find somebody that, yeah, that has that growth mindset. Absolutely. Also, I would say too, like, I think from my perspective, like, because I'm more in her shoes since she's trying to build her training business, don't try to do that. Find somebody who will. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I spent the, the time trying to learn this shit, like Travis does, we'd be screwed yeah. or my coaching would suffer because I you, like you wouldn't sleep. No. And I had to like, I had to decide like at a certain point in time, I was like, I need to invest in this so that I can invest more of my time in what I do. Great. Yeah. And I think that's like the big key is I see so many people trying to create all their stuff instead of collaborating with somebody on the team. It's like outsource. And then, and this is the last thing I'll say, and I'll let you finish answering the question. But I think that all the other thing is, Find somebody who wants to grow with you versus using somebody on fucking Fiverr that lives across the world, which don't get me wrong. Like freelancers are great and you should use those for some things. Like I've used freelancers for certain things that I just need like a one-off thing really quick, um, especially before I had you. But at a certain point, it's like find somebody that has the same mission statement, same core values, sees your growth and wants and believes in your growth and then let them grow with you. Like you say, our videos were horrible back then. I could have used somebody on a freelance website that was better, but then I'd get a different person every single time rather i was like hey let's do this together let's just pump out content i have great information and we'll just figure out how to present it better as we go and now it's really fucking good and we did (laughs) yeah and it took time but it's like just just be ready for that investment and that time um and a lot of people don't care either like i shouldn't say that because a lot of people appreciate how high quality our content is and i think it's important but nobody was like yo your videos are garbage like I don't like, I don't want to watch this cause the video quality is bad. They were like, this information is really good. Yeah. And then when we did better, they were like, wow, this video is really good. Yeah. And then it got better. And they're like, holy shit, this is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, so don't be insecure about a poor quality at first. Cause you gotta, you gotta start somewhere. Yeah. I got two other things to say is one, um, always, always change, mm. continuous change. Whether we do, we're doing, um, white, whiteboard talks or, uh, you know, Q and A's or whatever it is, always change your background, always change your scenery, always change, mm-hmm. you know, people's eyes always are catching something different. Yeah. Second thing. That's I'm a saying, really good point. Yeah. And second one, you were talking about those people on Fiverr or whatever. Mm-hmm. They, that's one thing they can't do for you. Yeah. It's the main thing. Film. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're still having to take your time out of your day to film it. Yeah. Whether you hire them or not, but mm-hmm. if you do it with somebody that is present with you, they can do what they can do editing wise and they can film it for you. I think people forget how, how like you have to have a peculiar eye. That was that word that we were stuck oh, on in the car. Yeah. Peculiar. Um, I think like people, so like when we first started, it was kind of like, 
Dude, I don't give a shit. Just put, put the camera on a tripod and just edit it. Like, yeah. I just want the information out. And then, like, you were like, well, stand over there. Like, let's change this. And then I'm going to create this depth. And then we'll, we'll enhance. And then I was like, whoa, like, that looks way cleaner. Yeah. Or, like, what we talked about. Um, I can't remember who we learned this from. But, like, the, the attention span really is anywhere between five to ten seconds. So yeah. every seven seconds, either cut the clip or change the scenery or change the angle or do something. Or, like, have a, like, my voice needs to get really loud so you can hear me talking. And then I'll yeah. calm down a little bit. But yeah. no matter what, we have to have some kind of stimulus every seven seconds because yeah. the some human. Kind of change, yeah. Yes, the human Love attention it. span changes. Um, and, and obviously, I think that the first point you made, I first recognized that with Gary Vee because I was like, everything he does is always fucking different. That's what it was. Why? And then we kind of started doing it and it worked better. Yeah. And then we, you notice two people start doing the same thing. And yeah. it's like, you can't be doing the same thing all the time because somebody else is going to do it. And then yeah. by the time it's over, it's off to talk. Yeah. Um, um, all right. So um, second one was developing. We mm. kind of, I'm not sure what you mean. By I, mean I guess like, the, yeah, the editing process and, and stuff like what that. What are your biggest lessons learned from developing and editing? Man, just learning. Like you said, um, takes more time than you thought. Yeah. More time than I thought. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I didn't really do a lot of editing before I started working with Cody a little bit, but hadn't done it for several years before that. So, uh, and not any like major projects. So yeah, just sitting down and realizing how much time it takes. Um, I mean, obviously you get faster and faster and more efficient, I Mm -hmm. would say, because you don't want to cut corners, but you just want to find ways to do things better. But I would say trying to find ways to do things more efficiently. Patience. Yeah. And like you said, uh, researching, you know, yeah. figuring out. I, I, that's another thing I research is figuring out ways to do things more yeah. efficiently. There's literally videos and videos and videos. Obviously, we're not going to talk about my YouTube uh, <laughs> tab lineup. Y- yeah. This guy has like 27 tabs on his <laughs> browser at all times. But yeah, my uh, obsession of YouTube is just out of control, but it's a good thing, man. Yeah. I absolutely love, it. I hate reading books and I hate watching TV. I, I YouTube the shit out of my life. YouTube yeah. <laughs> the shit out of my life. Yeah. YouTube university, dude. Yeah. It, I and love like, it. I, I mean that because I think nowadays you really can like, we do <laughs> Shannon's Audi ran out of gas and or yes. oil it was and i fucking pulled off the highway went to a gas station grabbed oil opened up the hood there's yeah. no dipstick yeah no dipstick no there is no her dad who is the ultimate handyman came over and because he didn't believe me no dipstick so point being <laughs> how the fuck do i put oil in this and where do i put oil in it or check it youtube pulled up youtube fucking had to pull off this big cap Go underneath, still no dipstick, and then you have to fill and cross your fingers. Yeah. Horrible make. Thankfully, she doesn't have that car anymore. But YouTube. <laughs> I pulled over and yeah. YouTube that shit. Um, and there's been plenty of times. Like, for me, YouTube always comes in when it's around the house and she's like, hey, can you do this? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. YouTube. Yeah. Because I'm not a handyman. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, no, I think, like, just, just constantly. And it's cool because, like, I think it's – it takes so much patience to do that and, and you have to be kind of passionate about it because I think about like, dude, I, I could not watch those videos even if I, cause I just, I'm, it doesn't I don't, interest you. it doesn't interest me, but I'll sit there and watch a video yeah, on mitochondria in uh, metabolic adaptation yeah. and you'd be like, dude, what are you fucking watching? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so have that passion and if you don't have a passion for editing, be okay outsourcing it because yeah. somebody else does and 
And I was like, like, I love the idea of growing a team, man. It's like, why, why do it alone? Like as soon as you can afford to outsource to any, anything that is off your like zone of genius or your superpower, your one outs- thing outsource. Yeah. yeah. This is my one thing. That's your yeah. one thing. And I think that's what makes this great. Um, no, I think, I think that's really good takeaways, man. I would say like the biggest, the biggest two for me is like, uh, attention to detail, um, in, uh, the patience with it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And just collaboration in general, like that idea. But I think the attention to detail is what I learned the most from doing it with you because before it was just volume for me. So I was like, I don't even care. Just content, 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 which I think was good because it gave me a lot of practice and it just put me in people's faces constantly. But you showed me how, if you do have attention to detail, how many little things you could tweak to make it better. And for me, I was like, dude, it doesn't matter if the information was good. But then if you think about it, it's like, well, if this is going to stimulate somebody's attention better, get people's eyes on it, make people watch it for longer, make them more interested. It's more aesthetically appealing. So they click on it. They're actually going to get the information versus it's shitty quality and great information. They're not even going to click on it to learn. Yeah, Um, for sure. But yeah. The last part is uh, biggest lessons learned on sharing Mm. your content. I don't really share his content a lot. Uh, I, you know, export it and give it to you yeah. and you write the captions and stuff. But I mean, little things I've learned is, you know, like the algorithms, the times of post, the, uh, um, how to post them, you know, attraction to the eye. Um, like that stuff matters. Yeah. I think like this is where kind of like bait and switch comes into play too. A lot of people, uh, like clickbait. I mean, you know what clickbait yeah. is, right? Like, I think bait and switch is powerful because I think like if I can write something in a way that's not lie, I'm not gonna lie, but like I absolutely am very particular about my subject lines in my emails, my titles of my podcast, uh, the first line you see on the Instagram post, yep. what you see in the picture of the Instagram post, because I want to get your attention. Because yeah. the only way I can give you value is if I have your attention. You're first. competing against a million people. So many people, and yeah. I think that's the big key: is like don't be afraid to do that bait and switch. Um, Timing your posts do matter. Hashtags do matter. Uh, frequency of posting and emails and consistency. All that sure. shit really does matter. So it's not as simple as just like throwing shit out there. And everybody you follow that you're like, oh, this guy's super authentic. He doesn't care about that stuff. He just like he does. Yeah. I, I promise you. Like behind the scenes, everybody who is killing it is very methodical about the process. Um, and everybody who is killing it for the right reasons does it with the the intention of helping people and i think that's like the overarching thing is like we always have like in the back of our head like how can we make this more and more valuable more and more easy to see read watch listen and make sure that it's translatable to application um but sometimes you have like you have to understand the algorithm and the methods and you have to outsource you have to schedule you have to get structured it's not a hobby you know like i think that's where a lot of people fail too with content and even just training. It's like such a hobby to them. It's like, no, this is your job. This is my nine to five. Like this is my life. Yeah. Content is literally our nine to five. Yeah. <laughs> like this is what we do. So, um, I think you have to treat it that way. And, and yeah, for sure. Love that. I think we got time Thanks for one for more question. <laughs> yeah. That was a good question too. Uh, one more question. One more? Yep. All right. So, uh, Jennifer Johnston, Cody, do you have a podcast on physique competition prep? rep i just got thrown a a client that is 18 weeks out from the physique show and i'm totally new at this Mm. um i don't uh give me your knowledge so (laughs) this one's hard because it's like broad yeah it's pretty broad and and i could just say no i don't I don't, and the reason I don't, the so question we have, is, do you have a blog? <laughs> we'll link these in the show notes. We have a few blogs that Caroline wrote, uh, based on her experiences with her, her prep. Um, 
I've mentioned my preps so many times and like taking people through preps so many times, but I couldn't tell you which episode. Yeah, because they're all Q and A's. Um, I should write a blog, a case study blog on Brandon. Um, that was like my most recent physique uh, competitor that uh, won. He crushed it. Um, I have Haley, our interns actually. We're getting ready to start her prep. Um, she'll be competing in November, I think. Sick. But I think like, so like I can off top, I'm looking at the book right now. I would recommend getting the muscle and strength pyramids, both nutrition and training, but especially nutrition. I would uh, recommend getting uh, the book called bodybuilding. It's literally just called bodybuilding by Peter Fishin and, uh, Cliff Wilson. Um, I would recommend getting, uh, those are the two most important ones. There is another one called, uh, become your own bodybuilding coach. I think it's called, um, I'm forgetting the author of that book. Really, really smart guy. That's another good one. Um, the most important ones are going to be the muscle and strength pyramid and then the book called Bodybuilding. And then if you want to get into like metabolism and stuff like that so you know how to reverse diet, I would go with Fat Loss Forever as well. Those are some good books to take away. Um, but like, I mean, if I can give you advice, like A, read all those books before you take on anybody. B, don't agree to take anybody on for a prep who won't commit to six months or more, especially if it's your first time doing it. Um, I've taken people on for less, but I've also prepped a lot of people. I prepped myself, um, and they were in a good position to where I was like, yeah, we can take four months. Let's get it going. Let's just go for it. Um, but now it's a much longer process. Like I have a lady, shout out to Judy, who is like, we're right now, we are cutting, we're doing like a mini cut, getting her to a good baseline, reverse dieting, having a lean gain phase, and then we're taking her through a prep. So she literally signed up telling me I want to prep for a show in 2022, like, or maybe it's 2021, end of 2021, I mean. But nonetheless, we have well over yeah. a year, a long-ass fucking time. Damn. Um, that's perfect, right? Yeah. Because she's competed before at a very high level. She wants to go for pro cards. Like, okay, cool. Like, you've kind of – she fell off the wagon a little bit. She had some life stuff going on. She needs to get back in shape. So it's like, okay, let's spend a little time reestablishing a baseline, getting you a little bit leaner, reverse dieting, lean gaining, cutting. Like a full – off-season and in-season prep. Um, if, it, if you've never done preps and don't have that reputation, it's going to be hard to find somebody that will commit to over a year and do that. But I would say at least six months because that's like enough time to truly prep somebody and at least start their reverse diet process, which should be more like a recovery diet, not a reverse. Um, but I, my biggest advice is that make sure that they're committed to the time, make sure that they are somebody who can uh, commit to weighing their food, weighing themselves, uh, training, w doing steps every day, walking, tracking their steps, writing in a fucking Google Sheets tracker every single day for months on end because prep is a very serious thing. Um, and make sure they're not in a physiologically bad place because if you take somebody on who's not ready to diet and then you try to do a contest prep, they're not going to succeed and it, it's going to hurt them and make you look bad. And it's just not worth it for either for one sure. of you. Um, but I mean, that's just, and those are just broad, broad, broad. And if you feel uncomfortable, hire somebody that will help you. You yep. know what I mean? Or, yeah. or hire a mentor that can kind of guide you through the process. So as you're making adjustments, you can go over it with them first. Um, again, like you can have those books. Like I have those books on our bookshelf because they are literally like the muscle and strength pyramids is literally something I can open up while I'm doing client adjustments and I can pull formulas. I can pull ideas. I can review thought processes, look at tables. And I've done that in the past. Now they're all kind of just stuck in my head because I've been doing this for so long. But that's one of those books that you can like literally have by your side throughout the whole process. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. 
please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomperformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at Cody at BoomBoomPerformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.